if we'll turn the music off. <laughs> Amen. Are you alive today? Are you awake today? Are you indifferent today? Okay. Good. How many of you know what happened yesterday? Let me see your hands. We're going to take a few minutes to share about this, but I want to open up. Quit playing that guitar, would you? Open up. He's tuning. He's real obedient, isn't he? I like rebels. I want to read to you from Psalm chapter 9. And this applies to yesterday, and it applies to what's going on now and what's going to happen in the days ahead. Psalm chapter 9, the message translation. I'm thanking you, God, from a full heart. I'm writing the book on your wonders. I'm whistling, laughing, and jumping for joy. I'm, in, I'm singing your song, Hi, God. The day my enemies turned tail and ran. They stumbled on you and fell on their faces. You took over and said everything right. When I needed you, you were there taking charge. You blow the whistle on godless nations. You throw dirty players out of the game. I like that. That's why I'm reading the message translation. Wipe their names right off the roster. Enemies disappear from the sidelines. Their reputation trashed. Their names erased from the halls of fame. God holds the high center. He sees and sets the world's mess right. He decides what's right for, our, for us earthlings, gives people their just desserts. God's a safe house for the battered, a sanctuary during bad times. The moment you arrive, you relax. You're never sorry you knock. Sing your songs to Zion-dwelling God. Tell His stories to everyone you meet. How he tracks down killers, yet keeps his eye on us. Registers every whimper and moan. Be kind to me, God. I've been kicked around long enough. Once you've pulled me back from the gates of death, I'll write the book on hallelujahs on the corner of Main and First. I'll hold a street meeting. I'll be the song leader. We'll fill the air with salvation songs. They're trapped, those godless countries, in the very snares they set. Their feet all tangled in the net they spread. They have no excuse. The way God works is well known. The cunning machinery made by the wicked has maimed their own hands. The wicked bought a one-way ticket to hell. I like that. No, oh, we don't want them to go to hell. Well, no, but no, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. But if you're not going to change and repent, you're going to go somewhere. Some of them are going to jail. No longer will the poor be nameless, no more humiliation for the humble. Up, God, aren't you fed up with their empty strutting? Expose these grand pretensions. Shake them up, God. Show them how silly they look. Now, if you don't know what happened yesterday, we'll take a few minutes and tell you. A lot of times when you want to have a Bible study, people's first request is they want it to be about revelation. They want to understand. Okay, I think I'm on. And they quote revelation and the signs of the end times, and it's always about earthquakes and floods. And But really, if you study it out, one of the main signs of the times is people are deceived. And I believe 
uh, and it talks about doctrines of devils. And right now, one of the biggest threats we have are there's a lot of Christians that are being deceived. They are believing wrong doctrines. And I believe, we believe here, one of the wrong doctrines that they are buying into is that Christians should not be involved politically. They say we are supposed to submit to the government. And that's true when the government is doing what's right. But if the government is following ungodliness, we have in this nation, we have the right and the privilege to stand up and resist what's evil. And if you don't understand, there's a lot of stuff going on in this nation that's not evil, that's not right. Well, how do we, it's so big and it's so far away, what do we do about it? You have to start grassroots. You have to start local. And so that's what we've endeavored to do. We believe in this church, if you don't understand, that, that we are light and we are salt. And it is our responsibility to stand up for what's right and to stand up against evil. And so yesterday, and it's not a us, them, Democrat, Republican thing. It is right against wrong, and it is we the people. And so yesterday, in the state of Nebraska, they had the state Republican GOP state convention. And there's been a lot of division and discord, and so a lot of things went on, and, and, and we were fortunate to have some people from our church, Brad and, and Nate and Amy were there and represented the county of Pierce, because each county has delegates that go to that Republican convention. And so those are the ones that are, that are supposed to be speaking for the people what wants to be done. And that's what happened yesterday. So Amy and Brad and them are going to share just a little bit so you understand what's going on. Amy? All right. So anytime I've ever gotten up here, I always like to preface to let you guys know I'm not a public speaker. So if my voice gets shaky, just bear with me. Um, so I was... Told, <laughs> I was told yesterday, um, to, you know, kind of have something prepared for today. And last night after we left the convention, I was on such a high. And this morning, I seemed to be completely overwhelmed by the magnitude of what God did yesterday. So <laughs> bear with me. <laughs> um, he was there, and I just, I can't even, I can't put into words how awesome it was. So I'm just going to try and read what I put together here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was, um, a delegate, which means I was one of, um, almost 400 people that actually had a vote in the body at the, at the convention. And like, um, long story short, what happened was we, we overthrew the establishment. Um, we got a very good start on draining the Nebraska swamp and it was awesome. It was single-handedly the most awesome thing I've ever been a part of ever. Well, apart from the birth of my children. (laughs) Um, So in previous years, there'd been about um, 80, is that right? 80 dormant counties um, that had no kind of representation at the convention at all. And this year, all those counties um, actually showed up with registered delegates. Um, And these are all grassroots patriots that are sick of the way the country is headed a lot of which came from groups like Patriots United, which is a group that um, our pastors have been urging us to be a part of. Um, 
So prior to the convention, there were a lot of secret meetings um, where a secret agenda was discussed. Um, and it was, was all these grassroots patriots that have gotten together um, and were plotting on how to su- successfully overturn things. And I'll tell you, at these meetings, God was the center of these meetings. He, he was there. When you, when you heard these people speak, they, they had the heartbeat of God behind them. They, they, they were anointed. They were, when they spoke of him, they, they spoke of God as a person, not just like an entity. And even when talking with other delegates, we actually, a delegate from our subdistrict actually came up to us and started he, he was talking to us about Robin Bullock of all people. Like these are, these are true people, God's people coming together to do his will. And it's, it's really, really amazing. Um, but then when we got to the convention and we heard the people behind the podium talk, the establishment and the, in the, they played little video clips and, you know, the Republican party is the, the God party. And, um, so they, they mentioned God in their things, but when they, when they talk about God, it's not, it's not the same. It's like, it's empty. They, they talk about God as this mystical, mysterious entity They you can tell they don't know him as a person. They don't have that relationship with him. Um, and if you don't have that relationship with him, you're not, I mean, it's hard to do, fulfill his will if you're not, if you don't know him and you don't know what he's, he's trying to get you to do. Um, they didn't have his heartbeat, essentially. So after they opened with prayer and they, they moved forward th- with the convention, um, you could tell that they knew something was about to happen. They, they didn't know. <laughs> I don't think they knew the magnitude of exactly what was happening, but they, they were throwing roadblocks at us left and right. They were doing everything they could to prevent whatever they thought was coming. Um, they used... They used fear tactics and told us that finances from the party would disappear. They um, tried um, tact- tactics um, with certain resolutions. And probably the biggest upset was that they tried to um, not credential a handful of delegates, a handful of grassroots patriot delegates, and that did not go over well for them. Um, they – hold on, I lost my spot uh... – yeah, so one of them being Matt Innes, and if you don't know who he is, he um, ran against Ben Sass in the 2020 election um, for the Senate seat. He is um, an ex-Marine, and he's a, just a bulldog patriot. Um, of course, we were able to, you know, get him bailed. They, they arrested him, um, and so we were able to get him somebody bailed him out of jail and we were able to vote him back in. Um, so that was like a huge, that was one of the roadblocks, you know, that they put, they put in place. They, they had him arrested. They knew he was going to come in and he was going to, you know, cause he was going to do God's will basically. Um, so I had, um, I had been praying over the convention in the week leading up to it. And as I was praying, God kept telling me unity, I just kept hearing unity and I told Nathaniel I was just I was kind of frustrated because I didn't exactly know what he was getting at cuz I knew that we needed 60 a 60% right a 60% vote to overturn things and I knew that we needed to be unified in that um so like I already knew that and I didn't feel like that's what he was getting at with me um so I was just really frustrated and then uh, when the first motion from our side came through 
God was in that room. I can't even explain to you the magnitude of his, like, his, I just, I, you guys, I can't put it into words. <laughs> um, um, but the, when that vote came through, um, not only did we get the 60%, but it was nearly a unanimous vote. Um, so he wasn't warning me that we needed to be unified. He was telling me that there is unity. Um, and it was just a perfect type and shadow for what's going on in the body of Christ today. Um, God has an agenda. He has a plan. And he wants his army to be a part of that plan. Um, uh, he, he wants us to fight for it. And Satan is out there throwing all these roadblocks at us, just like the establishment did. He's trying to cause fear. He's trying to cause division. And he's using every obstacle he can to throw us off course. But God is with his people and his people, the people with the true heartbeat of God, are united. And so he will prevail. God has his agenda and we need to get engaged in things like Patriots United. We were created for a time such as this and we need to figure out what God is specifically calling us to do and let him use us. Or, or we need to get out of the way because God's going to do what He's going to do, and you can either be a part of it or or not. So that's it. So what they will do is paint a picture that a bunch of radicals came in and overthrew the Republican Party, and now it's just this crazy, wild people with no no structure, no nothing. But the thing about it is, is that's not how it went. There is a constitution that the Republican Party has. And part of that constitution is that they follow Robert's rules of, of a meeting. The, the, there's a way it has to operate. And that's adopted in the constitution. And these, these people, the, the, the patriots, we got together and they, they even had a lawyer involved and went down through Robert's rule of order. And they did not do anything out of order. And when this gentleman that kind of was leading the helm would stand up and call for a motion to change things, to do something different than according to what they had planned for the day, he didn't just willy-nilly it and say, we the people want change and we don't like you, you suck, get out of here. No, he got up and said, according to, and he'd reference, and he'd reference, and he did everything in order and in proper function and it totally caught them off guard. They scrambled the, the countenance. When, they, when he stood up and made that first, um, they wanted to amend the credentials. They wanted to get these six people that the NEGOP wrongly kicked out back in. When he got up and said that he wanted to amend the credentials and referenced how he could do that, the countenance changed on the establishment. And, and it began to put them into a scramble. And, and so... They had a choice. Either they were going to violate their own constitution or they had to follow the rules. And so they verified the rules and they followed the rules. And one by one, they picked them off. And then came the change of order of business. So they had their agenda for the day and we had our agenda. And when that agenda came forth, you should have seen. You could literally smell pants being filled. <laughs> it was that serious. And so, and when that passed unanimously to change the order of business, it was over. There was no going back. There was no stopping what was coming at them. And there was nothing they could do to stop it. 
because they came in and did things in order and in proper way, and they had the authority to do, for, do it. And I'd heard about this, this gentleman by the name of Eric Underwood in, in Lancaster County Chair and how he was leading the helm of this <clears throat> Excuse me. prior to going down the night before where there was going to be a rally and there was going to be a secret meeting to discuss how the day was going to flow so we could all be totally united and move forward. And again, the body voted. It wasn't like there was these 10 radicals. There was at least over, I would say, I'd have to look at the numbers again, but I know it was over 70% voted, yeah, we want to change and move forward a different way. And when this guy got up to speak the night before, Nate and I both looked at each other and talked about how the anointing filled the room. The anointing was on these guys, and they referenced how God called them to do this. The whole thing was centered around God. This isn't just wild patriots. These are God-fearing men and women that are standing up and doing their part. And what was funny is during the convention, we could debate different things, and as people debated and stuff, there was always a heckler in the crowd, good or bad. Everybody that debated got heckled in some sort of fashion. Somebody would shout something, or the crowd would boo, or people would cheer and clap, whatever it was. But every time this guy stood up, the, this Eric Underwood, who was the, the head man leading the way of this change, the place would go silent. And it was like eerie silent. It's, it's as though he had such authority that even the mouths of even the hecklers were just shut. Nobody interrupted him. Nobody spoke over him. And when he would finish speaking, it was just dead silence. It's like the authority of God was settling into that place. And it was just amazing to watch them start at the bottom, reinstate their people, chip, chip, chip. And before you know it, the guy that's leading the entire meeting's job is on the line, and he knows it. I mean, he even made the joke, well, obviously you guys are gunning for my job, and I'm about to lose my spot, so let's get it over with. That was his own mouth. He said that. He knew he couldn't stop it. And I'm sitting here this morning, and, and we're worshiping, and Paige, in practice, starts talking about God and is moving, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. We as believers, you know, they, they went in there with the word of Robert's Rules of Order and the Constitution, and they used it. They used their authority to take over. And by the time they got done, I've heard of at least 10 resignations now that have taken place. The swamp's draining itself. They didn't kick them out. They didn't tell them they had to go. They walked on their own. They're scared. They're running. They obviously didn't want to represent the people. But now the Nebraska Republican Party has a government of the people, by the people, that are for the people. That's not what they were. Otherwise, why did they walk? They would have stuck around. They would have never walked away. They obviously did not support of the people. And so they walked out, and I can't help but think... What do we have as Christians? We have, and I don't have a Bible, we have the written word of God that lays out the rules of order. All authority, Jesus said, has been given to me. And he has given us that authority. We don't have to make some sort of scene and storm the doors and anything else. We have a legal written contract with heaven and earth and there is no other authority. Stand on that. Take your spot and stand on it. And I better shut up or I'm going to preach a message. Because I just, I am overwhelmed with the fact. And, and we know this, but do we really know it? Those boys knew it. 
They knew what they could do because they knew the rules and they knew their enemy and they knew they had the upper hand because not only did they have God, but they followed the rules and there's nothing the enemy could do to stop them. There was nothing the establishment could do to stop them. And there's nothing heaven or hell can do to stop what's coming across this nation. God is moving. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship soon. How many of you are awake? About 77% of you. How many of you are spiritually awake? Still not 100%. You better get an attitude. Justin, when you coach, do you have an attitude? I've seen it and I love it. Ron, when you're in the courtroom or getting ready to go to court, do you have an attitude? You don't look like it, but I know you do. Bobby, when you're on the bike, do you have an attitude? Robert, when you race, do you have an attitude? You better get an attitude spiritually, and you better be awake to what God's doing. Don't come passive. Don't come pansy. Don't punk out. You better come with an attitude, not just Sundays. You better come with an attitude every day, because he is moving, and it is happening. You better wake up. Stand up.
already yours. Jesus already paid for it. We lack nothing. We lack no good thing. It's already yours. Reach up and grab it. Let it be unto us, God, according to your word. Let it be unto us, God, according to your
taking us deeper We want to go We want to go We want to go deeper Deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper deeper and deeper It's in this place
weapon that you bring clarity to our lives individually and corporately. We do not lose sight of you, even with the victories, even with the battles that are won. And we continue to keep our eyes on you. Fifty-two states. Why do you boast in evil, Almighty Man? The goodness of God endures continually. Amen. Thank God for His goodness. Amen. Rachel, would you go and put that slide up that had the lyrics with the buffalo? You may be seated if you could find that. I think it was the second song. There you go. This was quickened to me when I was going to Rama. I sat in a class, and I was the first year, and, and uh, the teacher was also the, the administrator, and he was from the South. He was, he was quite a guy. But he shared this story, and I didn't know this. Those that you have raised cattle understand cattle. When there's a storm, what do cattle do? turn their back to it. But the buffalo, the bison, is a different story. They face it. That's us today. Face it. Don't turn your back to adversity, stress, or pressure. You face your problems head on. You face your mountains. You talk and declare to your mountains. Amen? 
that's who we are as believers. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. The worshipers. Yeah. Yeah. They marched around. They worshiped. They praised. That's right. Yeah. Stand. And you'll see the salvation of God. Amen. Amen. Oh, I've got to go to the bathroom so you can go. Amen. I'll lighten up. <laughs> Well, with that all being said, since he left, I'll pick up from where Brad left off. I was reading in Revelation this week, and in Revelation, if you've read that, and you should, it talks about the seven churches, and those that God commands, and those that he criticizes. And uh, those that he criticized were at Pergamos and Thyatira, he, those that tolerated immorality, idolatry, and heresy were the ones that he condemned. He had no good thing about them. Now, we understand that the reason God hates evil is because he loves people. And evil hurts people. So we have to have that heart. So when you have a man in office that thinks he's president... And he tries to subvert Supreme Court decisions and go around things like Roe versus Wade by executive orders. And we have a person running for office against Mike Flood that's going and meeting with them to do that. Then we realize that we don't have to tolerate that. And we should not tolerate that. That's why we are making a stand. That's why we're standing up. But the other thing, the church at Ephesus was criticized because of their lack of love. They were the loveless church. So in all these things we do, we have to recognize that it has to come through love. If a person has had an abortion, God forgives. And we love those people. But we can't continue cave in to the people and the ideologies that promote that kind of stuff because it hurts evil. So that's why we are making the stand we are. And it's just like, it's, have you ever played the game of Jenga? And it's all stacked and you just pull one out and pull another out and pull another out until the whole thing caves in. We just have to do what our hand can find to do. So this Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, Patriots United will be meeting. We haven't met for a while, but we have some things planned, and, and we'll go forth on the agenda on that. The other thing we've been doing is we've been talking about when you also have a man in the White House that sends all of your energy reserves to our enemies, there's probably going to be shortages. There's you know no denying that. So what we've been doing is... Um, we've started a food bank in, in the back, and this week we ask for beans because we want to have things that have a long shelf life, things that are usable, practical, 
and we don't want things that are going to promote insects in mice. So, so, and we want to have stuff together, not just, just random stuff. So this week we collected beans. Um, so I say this week, let's go for soup. Let's not do cream of celery. Let's do something with substance. So next week, if you would like to be involved with that, bring soup of some kind. So in 2 Corinthians, we read this last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and talked about how God always has a plan. He always has a way. And you, you can listen too much to the news about the shortages and, and all of this, but God has a plan. Let me read it to you again, starting in verse 6. But I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully with blessings. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's fun to me. It's just fun to be able to... Lay this up, and if you know people that really have a need, I'm particularly interested in single-parent moms and, and families that have small children that have need. We need to bless them. And it says in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So not only are the people in need taken care of, but the people that sow are taken care of. It's like an investment account that will pay dividends and dividends and dividends. He has dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. That's our prayer for you, that you will be enriched in everything, that all of your needs will be met, and you will have seed to sow for the future. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Bibles to John 6. I enjoyed worship today. God wants us to celebrate our victories. Amen. Financial victories, healing victories, political victories. Amen. We're on the subject 
of harvest. And I said our purpose the last few months is to help you and I, the believer, develop a harvest mindset by preparing you for the miraculous days ahead. Amen? They talk about famine. You hear famine this and famine that. Well, this is a wonderful miracle to talk about, to get it in your heart. He's the God of multiplication. He's a God of miracles. Say, my God is a God of miracles. It says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mount, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was nearer than Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said, Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad, everyone say, there's a lad, who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise to the fish, as much as they wanted. I like that. Not just a little bit, as much as they wanted. That's the God we serve. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we might ask or think. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up, filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. There's some things that we're looking at. There were seven things. We're on number five today, and I won't go a long time today, but it's important. But let me review here. We said Harvest Church in the days ahead must see society's lost sheep, discern their needs, and minister the love and compassion of Jesus Christ to them. Number two, Harvest Church must raise up leaders. Everyone say leader. Say, I'm a leader who are problem solvers. Say, I'm a problem solver. Men and women with initiative. Say, I have initiative. I'm not lazy. Who can think for themselves. Can you think for yourself? Yesterday, Caden was out here mowing. And that little girl next to him was helping. I could hear him yelling at her over the mower. My God. was giving you orders or whatever. And for, they're mowing back and forth and back and forth. And I'm sitting at my desk because I'm a problem solver. And they'd stop. And then I see Cade looking down at the mower. And I think, I better get out there and help him. And then part of me said, no, don't. Pretty soon they mow again, and then they stop, and they're looking at it. And finally, I, I, I stepped out, of the, out the door. And finally, Caden had the plug in and the bag. And he pulled the plug in. He was carrying the plug. I said, you solved the problem, didn't you? 
See, we've got to let people solve the problems once in a while. That's where I'm at because if you can, I will. Or I'll find somebody to solve the problem. That's what we need in church right now are people that have initiatives that can solve the problem. That went over. Number three, in the great end time revival, the church must recognize that our youth, everyone say youth, possess the gifts that we need. They'll be anointed with a special grace to be a witness and support for the body of Christ. Number four, the people of Harvest Church must learn to obey and let their gifts be used. And then number five, we're on this and I want to get through this today, is we need to learn to effectively organize and delegate. In the miracle of multiplication, Jesus was our example of organization and delegation. Make the people sit down. He wasn't passive about it, was he? A miracle was about to happen. But there's some things they had to do to get ready for the miracle. And I won't go through, I did it last week, I read every account, every gospel, it was a little different, make them sit down in groups of 50, whatever, but ultimately sit down. Then he gave the fish and the bread, after he blessed them, he gave it to the disciples, then he did delegate it to the disciples to give them the food. That's where it's in the days ahead, we've got to learn the, the best of our ability to get organized. To get ready for what's coming. If they weren't organized in Carney, it wouldn't have happened. But there was a miracle. They did their homework. They prepared. We're going to have to do our homework, folks, and get prepared. Part of it was, I've told you, the last year, get involved with Patriots United. Well, I'm just not into politics, and this probably isn't your church. Probably isn't the church you're supposed to attend, because we're going to be politically active in the days ahead. The church is in the mess it's in because it has taken a step back and not taken the leadership role that it needed to take. And there's preachers in the pulpit saying, oh, we can't get politically involved. They're wrong. They are wrong. We are right. God is right. There's a gentleman that took a stand yesterday or in Carney and he got arrested. He was right. They let him out. In Numbers chapter 2, for the sake of time, don't turn there. We're talking about organization and delegation. This gives the account how the 12 tribes were organized in their their families, and in their tribe all around the tabernacle. They surrounded the tabernacle, and they were very specific about their banners, what they held, and, and the banner that, that probably gave them the, the name of their tribe. And 
See, what God does, He does in an organized fashion. They surrounded the tabernacle. The tabernacle represents God's presence and worship. Everything we do in the days ahead is centered around God. His presence. The worship that we should give Him. And they were very organized and they delegated responsibilities. They had a certain location and they had a purpose. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But now God has set the members. Say God has set the members. Are you a member? God has set you. Each one of them in the body just as he pleased. So God will set you in the body the way that it pleases him. In other words, you have a place. If you come to this church, you have a gift. You must function in that gift. And not be passive and, and indifferent. In the days ahead, folks, you know, through the years I have upset the apple cart. I've seen people come and I've come, seen people go. It's not going to change. There'll be people come here, but there will be people that will go. Because they can't handle authority. They can't handle the anointing and what God is doing in His body and with His people right now. I don't know if you even discern and recognize what is on this church. The mantle that is on this church. The last two years, it's been a wake-up call. I have discerned and recognized there's always been in me there's, there's wanting to do something great for God. Has that ever been in you? You want to do something great for your Savior. Well, God has raised up this church and is going to raise up this church to be a voice in the days ahead. A prophetic voice. And if you're going to join this church and be a member of this church, you're going to have to learn how to grow, how to function in your gift, be like the buffalo and face adversity and not cower and run. God takes no pleasure in people that run, that turn their back. You and I must discover our gifts and, our, and function in those gifts in the days ahead. We're talking about organization and delegation. This will require, now listen, if, you, if we're going to function in, in our gifts, be organized and learn how to de delegate, this will we require an understanding of the anointing. See, understanding of the anointing. Unless you have an understanding of the anointing, you'll never know how to organize and delegate. We said the anointing is this. It, the word anointing refers to a special act of God's Spirit coming upon and transforming a person. Remember, when Saul was anointed king, he prophesied. Something came upon him and it changed him. 
Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The anointing was upon Jesus to do what? To do good. Say, to do good. If you want to know the function of what the anointing's for, it's to do good. It's to heal. It's to bring deliverance to people. 1 John 2.20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Say this, I have an anointing from the Holy One and I know all things. Verse 27 states, But the anointing which you've received from Him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. So the anointing is when a person receives from God the anointing or from the Holy Spirit. And when he does or when she does, it will change the way you think. The anointing of God will change the way you think about something. I was just, I'm getting off, but we were... Everything that happened, what what is a concern, and I'm not worried about it, but Mike Flood and Jim Pillen are going to need our prayer, or they're going to end up like the rest of them. Do you hear me? We've got to cry out to God for them and intercede for them. So when a person receives an anointing from the Holy Spirit, his or her thought patterns undergo a transformation in ways that enable that person to carry out a particular ministry. Number two, an anointed person receives guidance and wisdom from the Holy Spirit in the area of his or her her anointing. Number three, an anointing allows the Holy Spirit to flow out of a person and manifest the presence of God for a specific ministry. Number four, each anointing produces a unique submission in the hearts of those receiving ministry. Now, I'm going to end with this, and it's very short. The book that I've been reading, it's, on, it's called the, Com- the Complete Wineskin. And we're talking about organization. You know, Jesus organized, Jesus delegated, and, and because of that, there was a miracle. Amen? This chapter, it's a short chapter. I'm going to read it to you. It's about organizing the church. Now, let's try to think like God thinks. When we look at the church to see who should do what, we must not look at education or experience. We must focus instead on God's anointings. The church must be organized around the anointings. Everyone say that with me. The church must be organized around God's anointings. The person you want to be in charge of a specific ministry is the one who has. Number one, divinely inspired thought patterns. Number two, supernatural guidance. Number three, the presence of God manifesting. And number four, the submission of others to follow him or her. So when there's an anointing upon someone, 
it'll attract people to them. Who should preach at a church or teach at a Bible study? It should be the leader who is anointed to preach or teach at the time. Obviously, this is different from our traditional understanding. Usually, the pastor's left with the job of speaking. But that is many times a drastic mistake, and it grieves the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Some of the most powerful moves of the Spirit in history were run with an openness among leaders such that they waited on God before services to see who should bring the message. Of course, there's nothing wrong with having a minister who does most of the preaching. But there always should be a willingness to yield to God at a moment's notice. See, you'll never have that in a denominational church. It'll never happen, folks. It'll never happen. On one occasion, I visited a church in another town, not knowing a single person in the building other than my wife who was with me. The minister who is in no way, even the minister who in no way even was acquainted with me, pointed to me as I sat in the congregation and announced that God wanted me to preach. How'd you feel? That evening, I experienced one of the most powerful anointings to preach I've ever had. Conversely, when I pastored a church for several years, there were times when I knew the anointing was not on me to preach, but I preached anyway because I had been taught it was my job. I know, I now know both sides of this issue, and I believe we must break free of our traditional thinking. The Holy Spirit chooses the person He wants to preach by anointing that person. Now listen, a Spirit-led church will move with the Spirit. A Spirit-led church will move with the Spirit. What about leadership of the other ministries? Who should oversee the youth, children's ministries, finances, ushers, worship? It is obvious God's choice is identified by the anointing. I'm watching you, trying to discern if there's an anointing on you. And I have with a few. What was it me? Well, we'll find out because of the anointing. What about leadership of other ministries? Who should oversee you? Children's ministries, finances, ushers, worship. It is obvious God's choice is identified by the anointing. Look at the heart, the way of thinking. Through whom does the presence of God manifest so that others follow? The person who is burdened with the needs of youth is one whom the Spirit is anointing. Whoever is most concerned that the church be a financial success is God's choice for financial oversight. An usher sent from God is the mature believer who arrives at church early and greets people with enthusiasm. An anointed worship leader is the person who feels miserable after church for a whole day if the church service was not excellent. I'm, I'm no different. I'll go home and I'll look at her and say, was that all right? And she's, she don't, she's just not built to puff you up. She'll just look at me and say, yeah, whatever. So I just go to the corner and pray. A teacher is the one concerned about the lack of teaching and who repeatedly complains about how little of the Bible people are receiving. God's administrator is the Christian who is frustrated with how unorganized and inefficient things are. 
then he puts in captions. I learned a long time ago that people who complain a lot are very often leaders who've not been given an opportunity to serve. The children's minister is the one who cries for the little ones and who the children supernaturally look to for direction. An anointed person usually considers his or her ministry the most important one. I'll pick on belts back there. You awake? She is. Okay. For example, an anointed secretary thinks he or she's keeping the whole church operating. And that may be true. She was my secretary for years. She did a wonderful job. And anointed nursery directors considers the nursery to be more important than any other ministry. Such ways of thinking are marks of God's anointing. Do you want to know who God's choice is? Then look at the heart that is burdened and seeks for a solution. If there's a burden on, on you because you see something in this ministry that needs to happen, then pray about a solution. Quit complaining. Watch the person who's motivated to spend extra time and pay the price to get the best results. Watch the eyes of the congregation and see who they look to for direction. Their spirits and yours will recognize God's anointing. See, that's where Brad's at. He, his, his heart is for the children, Brad and Courtney. And I said it last week, the grace is off of him. And so a lot of things aren't getting done around here anymore. So I went out to Office Max and bought a whiteboard and she won't let me put it up on a wall. She don't want to screw in a wall. So I'm going to have to figure out how to do this. Oh, the right wall. I didn't hear that yesterday. She wanted an easel. Well, we're making progress. Just, just endure, Mike. It'll happen. And so what we're going to have to do is list some things, and the guys are going to have to step it up, work together, and, and, and get some of this stuff done because there's going to be needs. In the, you know, I'm filling the water softeners now, and I, they need it right now. And you're going to ha- we're going to have to learn to do these things, folks. One of the reasons that Jethro spoke into Moses, his son-in-law's life, because he was doing everything. And one of the reasons it, it hurts you, the body, or the person that has a gift that needs to function in, the, in that gift, if I'm doing it, you are deprived of functioning in your gift. You're not going to see me doing security. My son's the head of security. He's got an anointing to do it. Yes, he's young. Get over it. There are going to be more young ones in the days ahead. Chief is still here behind the pulpit. I'll keep an eye on him. That's right. Most churches are not run by this principle. I'm almost done. Usually when someone's needed to teach the children, the position is offered to whoever's willing at the time. The one who accepts is usually the dear brother or sister who wants to help, but only because there's a need. This creates a church that is based on needs rather than on anointings. Don't let that go over your head. This creates a church that is based on needs rather than on anointing. And I don't want this church based on needs. I want you to function in your anointing and your gift. You might as well get ready. 
Because I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you right now. You got anything on your heart? You've been, well, I know that's a stupid question, isn't it? But you better find one subject and do your study because you're going to be teaching. And I might be here and I'll just say, oh, Timothy Scott, get up here and teach the people. But you'll be ready because you understand authority. I like ex-military. They get it. Or we put into a position the person with some past experience training or worldly knowledge. An assortment of leaders are then in charge, but the spirit flows through them to only to, uh, to a limited to, to, only to a limited degree. I have come to the conclusion. Now listen, folks, that no work is better than a dead work. Do you notice we haven't had a youth program? Some of you get nervous and. You think we need to have a youth program? I've had people, you know, come to me and wonder. There ain't no youth program right now. God didn't tell me to have a youth program right now. We're developing our children's program right now. You know, folks, I really appreciate the fact you are here today and you listen to me. I realize maybe you look at me and think I got some rough edges and I'm, I'm very outspoken. I'm very in your face. Abe was just telling me today how he was fired from the last station he worked at because he got in somebody's face. Yeah, we have to grow and mature. And I, I'm going to be 65 and I believe through God's help and my wife, I will soften and mellow maybe in the days ahead. But not much. B.S. is still B.S. He said B.S. Bachelor of Science. It's one reason, Ronald Elbin, I've always loved you and respected you. I'd walk into his office, sit down. I'd sit down. And he'd just, and that was done. I like that, though. I'll never, do you ever, remember the guy I had you help with his bankruptcy? He was, he was a good friend of mine and he was struggling and I've never done this. And I said, well, I get my call, my lawyer. Well, you helped him, but you must have called him one day because he called me and he said, he made me cry. I wanted to say, Dave, suck it up. But he was that kind of guy. Maybe that's what some of you are going to say. Pastor made me cry. Better talk to me than to her. And that's the honest to God's truth. We must grasp this. I'm almost done. We must grasp this truth that Jesus is the head of the church. It is his job to provide anointed teachers, leaders, administrators, and other ministers. It is our job simply to recognize the need and to ask him to supply the resources. The Spirit always places people where he wants them. If we try to place an unanointed person in a position of ministry, then we're working against the Holy Spirit. I have found, that's why I'm telling you, denominations, it just doesn't cut it. Well-meaning, good people love God, but they're doing it out of a need instead of functioning under the anointing. 
I have, now listen, I have found that when I stop a dead ministry and wait on God in a very short time, the Spirit raises up a new leader for that ministry. If, however, I try to keep a dead ministry going and allow the unanointed leader to labor on, then the dead work also labors on and on and on, becoming noticeably stinky, spreading death to other parts of the body, and never allowing room for the life-giving vision and plan ordained by the head of the church. There's only one thing to do with the dead work, bury it. I'm not ignoring the need for Christian maturity, training, encouragement, and experience. Maturity is vital. We always must take it into account before recognizing anointed individuals. Training, encouragement, and experience are important too. However, they are secondary in organizing a ministry. It is the anointing of God on which we must focus. I'll pick on you, and if you get proudful, I'll just cut you down. I'll bring you back where you need to be. But she's functioning in her gift. That's the best example right now, that you can wrap your head around it. So when she sings, there's anointing. It's not that he doesn't have an anointing. He's supposed to be the, the worship leader. You help refine her gifts and lead her so she can flow and function in that prophetic gift. You ain't seen nothing yet. Just don't get the big head. Help her. Keep her humble. I'm not, he goes on to say, God's choice, for, I'm almost done. God's choice for a ministry is identified by his anointing. We must not depend on education, qualification, experience, age, or any other natural characteristic. Instead, we must pray and watch. Keeping in mind these characteristics of an anointed person. Number one, one who loves God and serves Him faithfully. See, if you're not faithful to the church, if you don't tie to this church, forget about being a leader. I'm sorry I'm so blunt. It's the way God made me. But it's the truth. If your finances aren't here, your heart's not here. If your tithe's not here, your heart's not here. And you can usually spot people like that because they're in the background. They never want to get involved. Number two, one whose heart is burdened for a particular ministry need. So if your heart's burdened about something, maybe God's dealing with you. Number three, one who manifests the presence of Jesus within that area of ministry. Number four, one to whom others willingly yield. As we've seen, the anointed person will have supernatural guidance concerning how the specific ministry is to function. Why should you choose anyone whom God has not chosen? You better pray for me. You better pray for your pastors and your leaders in the days ahead. We're going to have to make some decisions. We've got to get people in the right slot. Why should you choose anyone whom God has not chosen? If no one can be found, then we must bury that ministry till the Holy Spirit finds someone. It is simple to organize the church when we see as God sees. Let's stand up. Father, we thank you. Lord, I'm so grateful for your presence here in this place today. I'm so grateful and thankful, Lord, for the anointing, the corporate anointing, the anointing within and the anointing upon. 
I'm so, I'm so thankful, Lord, for the pr- prophetic flow of the Spirit of God. I want that to continue, Holy Spirit, in the days ahead. Father, I want to see these people before me function in their gifts. And the anointing that you've placed upon their lives, help me see them. And Lord God, give them the strength and the courage to step up and begin to function in that gift. And until we, until we see, Lord God, that individual come forth, I'm not going to change anything. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Lord God, soften the hearts of your people. That they might yield their members to you, spirit, soul, and body in the days ahead. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for Brian and his back. Then I asked Bia to, Bia asked me to pray for her employer who's, they found a tumor on her brain. Her name's Jamie. So let me pray for Brian. Anybody else too, that's an open invitation if you need prayer for your physical body. Amen. When the glory's presence present, the anointing's there, healing flows. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we wait on you this morning. We don't want to be quick. We want to flow with you, Holy Spirit. Lord, you know what's wrong with his back. You know where he's at spiritually. You're a God who's full of grace and mercy. Healing is the children's bread. He is your child. And so, Father, thank you. I thank you, Lord. I was at the doctor. I was in the hospital one night. I've seen the caregivers. Thank God for physicians and procedures. But ultimately, Lord, you are healer. And so, Father, we thank you for that anointing to flow today into his back in Jesus' name. Now, you expect something? Amen. Where's it at specifically? Right here. Put your hand in there. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command this back to function as God ordained it to. I command every ligament, tendon, muscle, spur, bone, come in line in the name of Jesus. That the nerve endings will quiet down in Jesus' name. That healing virtue flow into this back. For you said, we lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. We've got our hands on him. So, Lord, we're expecting supernatural recovery in the name of Jesus for healing is in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it, Father, this day in Jesus' name. This woman, Father, named Jamie, that's be his boss, we curse that tumor. We command it to shrink, die, and be gone in Jesus' name. Lord, I don't know if she knows you as Savior. So we pray, Lord God, her heart be softened to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That she not only receive, Lord, healing, but she'll receive, Lord God, you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord. 
So we thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy this day in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Well, I, I feel like I've been to church. How about you? How about you? <laughs> You're just ready to go. I cut half my sermon just for you. Left half of it out. But you heard it. It's all about the anointing. God bless you. Have a good week. Thank you.